Hey guys, this week I got to speak to Cow and Chicken creator David Feiss. David was cool, man. I got to talk to him about his time at Hanna-Barbera, going over to Sony to work on Open Season and a bunch of other cool stuff. So check it out. All right, we're here with David Feiss. Uh, shout out to Guy Moon for hooking this interview up. What's going on, man? Not much. Yeah, it was really good to hear from I, I left Cartoon Network and he was off. I think he went to Nickelodeon. He was working with uh, the Nickelodeon folks for a lot of years. And yeah, we just, you know, it was just good to reconnect with him. That's cool, man. How did you guys meet up originally? Uh, at Hannah Barbera, through Hannah Barbera, I did I did the cow and chicken pilot, and uh, you know, I, uh, you know, at one point, you know, when once it was getting finished, they said, "Well, we need to talk music." So I was given some examples, some different composers, and Guy just jumped out. I mean, his was his his uh, his work was just so much more original, I think, than everything else, because it wasn't classic cartoon uh music he was he had a little more jazz feel to it so i was kind of digging what he was doing yeah he's real quirky man i uh i actually had texted him a while back and he has like a uh you know he has like a, a libraries that he's done and uh, i heard one of his songs that he had played for me i heard it on like a quick crete commercial like a concrete i was like guy i'm here at lunch man and i'm hearing your freaking song on a commercial i just watched like what the heck well, you talk about Hanna-Barbera, man. Um, I, I read a little bit um, at the time. I think, were you the youngest person working there whenever you uh, got on there? I was. Yeah, I was 19 years old. So I was like, the yeah, at, the, at that point, I was the youngest one in the studio. Uh, what was that like, man, kind of jumping in? And I'm sure there's just, I mean, tenured people all around you. Yeah, it was a thrill. I, I mean, I, as, a, as, a, as a teenager, that's all I ever wanted to do was work in animation. I started making movies when I was 12. So I was making these movies and always in my, my thought was one day I'm going to be working in Los Angeles. And Hanna-Barbera was just one of the studios that I grew up with. It was like, and there was an opportunity once I, uh, I had graduated high school and I had made a film that that's the film I want to present. And there was an opportunity for an interview at Hanna-Barbera and I brought my projector down. It was an eight millimeter movie and I projected it against the wall in the, in the office at the recruiter and they hired me, which was a shock. So it was, uh, I didn't, I thought they were going to tell me, go to school and then come back. But yeah, they were ready to hire me. And so it was a thrill to be working, be 19 years old, working with all these legends. And it was people I recognized. So I recognized this as an animator from the Flintstones. You know, I, you know, this guy would work at, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, Popeye cartoons back in the day, you know, like back in the thirties. So it was like, you know, my, my, my beginning in my career was touched on the on the legends of animation at the end of their career. Right, man. Yeah. Um, what's, what were some of the highlights you can think of when you were working there at Hanna-Barbera early on? Highlights? Well, I, I, again, it was meeting these people that I'd, I'd, I'd seen their animation. Like, uh, I remember like Dave Tendler was one of the names. He was like one of the original Popeye car, uh, animators. He also worked at Fleischer. He did a lot of the uh, like Superman, I think. And uh and then, uh, you know, like MGM artists that, that were animation artists from like the Tom and Jerry cartoons, because, you know, Bill Hanna, Joe Rivera tended to, to, to give their friends jobs at the end of their career. They all ended up at Hanna Rivera, which was kind of cool. So there were people that had, that had animated on the you know, Tom and Jerry's and there were people who animated uh, uh, for Tex Avery. And uh, in, in fact, Tex Avery was there. That was another one of my thrills. I mean, that was a, definitely a highlight. Um, one of my heroes was there at the studio when I was there, and, and I, um, I still have my King of Cartoons book that he signed at a drawing for me when I was 19 years old. 
Yeah, it was a, a personal thrill to meet Tex Avery. Yeah, man, that's rad. Um, like we were just saying, like so many tenured people that you got to work with just like immediately there, like that has to be, um, that has to feel like such a good opportunity for sure, especially like being able to cut your teeth and learn on the job kind of like you did. Um, I had read a little bit and I wanted to ask you about Bill Hanna some. Um, I haven't really got to talk to anyone that had, had known him. And it, I, from what I understand, you know him pretty well, knew him pretty well. I knew him pretty well. Yeah, he was he was very nice uh, to me. Uh, he was in his 70s, I guess, when I when I met him. And I, I, I'd met him briefly when I was 19 working at, at Hanna-Barbera. But I really got to know him a few years later when I went to Madrid. I was working at a studio in Madrid. Uh, for it was a, a satellite of Hanna Barbera. It was a production that Hanna Barbera was co uh, partners in, and it was Bill Hanna who had sent me over to, to Madrid. I was working in Canada at the time. I went from Canada to Madrid, working at this little studio, and uh, he he traveled to Madrid to um, kind of like hang with the people, hang with the the artists that he you know, had been put together there, and so that's when I really got to know Bill Hanna. And then after that, every you know, every time I've come through Los Angeles, I give him a call and he we we talk and got to lunch and just kind of got to know him that way. And then, you know, I, I knew him all, all throughout, you know, my even through Cal and Chicken, he was still coming into the studio. Both him and Joe Barbera would would come into the studio. Uh, and I remember the last time I saw Bill, but it was you know, probably you know, like late 90s. And he was very, really respectful of me. I mean, I look back, I was just a kid in my twenties, but he treated me as if I was one of the, one of the, uh, one of his friends from MGM days. You know what I mean? He, he didn't uh, differentiate. He, he was quite kind. Yeah. That's gotta be such a surreal experience just talking to him. Cause you know, he, at the end of the day, he's just a dude. Like he's just, some, he's just a regular guy, but in your head, it's like, Oh my God, Hanna-Barbera, this is like iconic to me, especially if you grew up, um, you know, around the time you did when you like listen, uh, watching Scooby-Doo and, um, all the stuff, you know, that Hanna-Barbera had produced at the time, like it, it would be hard to get out of that headspace for sure, but it's cool to hear, like, you know, you get to get to know him a little bit and he's just, you know, one of the, one of the bros, like, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my earliest memories of cartoons were, were Hanna-Barbera cartoons, like, uh, uh, Huckleberry Hound and Yogi Bear and Flintstones. Well, I was a big fan at age four watching these cartoons. So it was, it was an honor. I was honored to be working at Hanna-Barbera and, and knowing Bill Hanna. That's a very cool experience that you like now have forever to like talk about. Like, that's really neat. You know, with Cow and Chicken, I was uh, just recently talking to a buddy like this week about it. And uh, when I was reading about some of the things you'd worked on, something clicked in my head with Cow and Chicken when I read that you had worked on Ren and Stimpy. It was just kind of an aha moment of like, oh, okay, like that. I could definitely see like, a little bit of the style, a little bit of the humor, but like you made it your own thing. Um, how did that Ren and Stippy thing kind of come along? I knew John from our days in Taiwan, actually. And that was another thing. John, uh, John was sent to Taiwan by Bill Hanna. Uh, as, and I was sent to Taiwan by Bill Hanna. Uh, John was sent as the layout supervisor, and I was sent as the animation supervisor on the reboot of the Jetsons. So it was back in 1985. So we worked together, we shared a house, you know, we were, we were good pals. And so but even back then in 1985, he had the beginnings of, uh, of, of Ren and Stimpy in his notebook. He had these characters and he, he talked about, they, he wants to do these characters. And, uh, 
and I remember him saying, you know, like, you know, well, you, you'll be one of my animators. And he was like, okay, sounds great. And by 1991, I think, is he, so like six years later, he got the pilot to, to do uh, a Rin Stempy pilot. Man, that's cool. That's, that is such a cool, like, thing to just be like, one of your buddies say like, hey, man, you're going to be on this thing. And you're like, I don't know, you kind of half-hearted. That's, that's happened to me before, like, in a small scale, and you just kind of half-heartedly, like, yeah, okay. I guess, so then Cow and Chicken, of course, came from, you pitched the pilot and it was picked up, like at Cartoon Network, right? Uh, that's right, yeah. It, there was a, they had a budget to do 53 original shorts that, because the idea was Cartoon Network was a new network that had formed and they didn't have any original material. They had all of MGM's library and they had all of Hanna-Barbera's library because Ted Turner started Cartoon Network and he had acquired Hanna-Barbera back in 92, I believe. So and that's when he started Cartoon Network. Uh, and, and so he by 94, they, they had this idea, let's get an orig original series going. So let's do pilots. And out of those pilots, we can, we can pick, uh, you know, what, what, what should these new ideas would go to series. Can you talk a little bit about how that initial idea kind of started out and how you started put a, putting pen to paper on that? It, um, I had, it, was a, it was a bedtime story, actually. Uh, the, the genesis of it, my daughter was six at the time, and I'd read stories to her at night. I was one night I was just too tired to even turn the light on. I didn't even turn the light on. I'll just tell you a story. So I, I, I told her the story of cow and chicken, which was easy to tell. And, and she, and she enjoyed it. So the next morning I, I remembered it and I drew it out. Yeah, I got it down. I've got this and I made it like a book, almost, almost like a children's book. And I didn't know what I was going to do with it. I just thought maybe I'll just have this, this idea. I didn't think of it as a TV show. But within a couple of weeks, because I'd already been in the business at that point, about 15 years, and I'm working at Hanna-Barbera, working on the, around the world, working at different studios, someone at Hanna-Barbera said, ask me, they said, hey, do you have any new ideas? They're looking for new ideas for the shorts program. And I had a number of things, including cow and chicken. And so I, I met with the, the development um, person um, at, a, I met at, a, at a coffee shop. I was living in Northern California at the time. So it was a coffee shop halfway between Sacramento and San Francisco, a little town called Vacaville, which is interesting because Vacaville means cow, uh, you know, a cow town like Calville, Vacaville. Oh, right on. Yeah, I didn't think about it years later. But uh, in, the, in the coffee shop, I pitched the, the ideas and she really responded to uh, the cow and chicken idea. So she said, hey, I think we would like, to, we like this. Um, could you uh, do a board for us? Just do a storyboard. And I, you know, I said, yeah, absolutely. This is great. So once I started doing a board or thinking about a board, I changed the concept from the, the kids' book, so the story I did, I told my daughter, and, and uh, because the, the, the kids' book, I had a cow and chicken as uh, like, a, like friends, like they were like, they grew up together, they were like, almost like a boyfriend, girlfriend type of thing. And, and, and once I started boarding and thinking about it, I thought, you know, it'd be funny if they were brother and sister, because it makes no sense. So I'm going to have him as brother and sister. And then I started boarding the opening sequence of, of um, the way I, I write. Sometimes I'll just do visually. I'll write. I'll write sometimes writing, writing it out. But I, this one, I just started drawing. And I, I had this, the, the situation. I don't know if you've ever seen the pilot, but the pilot, that's pretty much how, how, it, how it started. I, that's what I did. The first thing I did, I, I boarded that out. But then it was missing something. And that's when I came up with the devil character. Like, it needs that. It needs that little extra element. 
And, and it was that actually came to me in a dream. I kind of woke up in the middle, like at two in the morning with this character and I drew it out. And, and the very thing he says, although it's me, the devil, I stand for all that is bad. Also, I'm naked. That was in my dream, exactly word <laughs> for word. So I just had to write it down. And I made sure it got in there. And then when I met Charlie Adler, you know, a couple months later when it was being cast, he had this, he nailed the character. I mean, he, he nailed all three characters. I mean, he was all these characters. That devil is like one of the most batshit characters of any cartoon from my childhood. And I love, it's like, I can't, I'll be on my deathbed thinking of that guy bouncing around on his butt. Like it is just so, you know, those, it's funny. Those things that get burned into your memory. Yeah. I have to admit that was the most fun having that character around. You do all these things with Cow and Chicken or any other character, but having this 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 kind of this needy uh, character who's like, you know, he's not really evil. He's just kind of lonely and he's like, he's a super needy. It was a blast. It was so much fun. Was that one of the original cartoon cartoons? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. It, it, the, the, the 53 were called What a Cartoon. Fred Cyber okay. was the one. He was the... He was the guy that, that came up with the idea. Let's just do 53 original ideas. As a bold move, I do remember reading about that, that because he had done something similar at Nickelodeon as well to get uh, some shorts produced there. Um, it was called something else at Nickelodeon, but it was basically the same concept of like kind of aggregating all of these ideas and kind of picking out the best ones to be originals. I could be wrong, but I think he was first at Hanna-Barbera. Yeah, you're right. He took the same format over to Nickelodeon. Yeah, that's exactly right, yeah. It's cool to see because I really feel like your inspiration from like some of those original cartoons in this, like, for example, like in Tom and Jerry, how we never see um, the adults from the waist up. As a kid, even that stuck out to me of like, oh, okay, that's that thing of how it's how it is in Tom and Jerry. We don't see the adults like. That's, you're exactly right. That's exactly why I put it in there. Except my joke was they didn't have tops. The entire series, I never did show their top part. But I would do, you know, sometimes have a cast shadow that would stop halfway or like, you know, mom would be pouring orange juice with her foot. People, they would open doorknobs with their feet. Yeah, I do remember an episode where like dad was trying to like, he was getting up, worked up about something and it'd be like how you slammed your fist on the desk, but he like slammed his foot on the desk or something. It was something like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I remember that from when I was a kid, just like how quirky that was. I did love the combo stories, like how you did the I Am Weasel and I Are Baboon and stuff like that. Gennady Tartakovsky did something similar with like Dexter's Lab, how he kind of had those shorter vignettes like Justice Friends and um, Monkey. Um, so that, to me, it just went along kind of with that series. I was like, oh, okay, these these uh, these shows are like related to me, like in my head is how I like associated them. Yeah, and I did a crossover too. I think I had the red guy kind of travel between the two series. Yeah, I love that. And then Super Cow, like that is just Super Cow Rescate. Like I would just, <laughs> I would just be in the shower just randomly saying that, you know what I mean? It's like funny, these things that stick out to you. So it's it's cool to hear about, you know, a little bit of that inspiration and like kind of like learn like, okay, those things that I was seeing were a, an influence to that. Um, I'd recently just talked to Julia and Eric Lule that uh, they're writers on X-Men animated series, a couple of other things. And uh, I thought it was interesting. I think you had tabbed... Um, Rocky and Bullwinkle, like that is such a popular one that a lot of the writers and creators that I've talked to um, in uh, tab that as an influence. And it's I love that. And I think it's interesting because I remember watching Rocky and Bullwinkle at like midnight or one at one a.m. on like Saturday nights. And I just always thought that was a cool thing that um, 
transcended generations, how it was like relevant to me and you. Can you talk a little bit about what stuck out to you about that show? Yeah, you're right. I, 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 I remember being four years old and watching Rocky Bullwinkle. And it was funny. The voices were funny. The characters were funny. The situations were funny. And they had all these like, it wasn't just Rocky and Bullwinkle. They had like fractured fairy tales and they had other parts of this one package of a half an hour show. So it was just really, really entertaining and fun. And then later on, when I grew, you know, when I was maybe 12, I realized, oh, the writing is even more clever than I than I give it credit for. It, it's like it's super funny. It's super smart. And it was, you know, it was about the Cold War. And it was like there was some interesting adult themes. And so I saw I saw I, I appreciated it at a different uh, in a different way. Yeah, I think that was why that one stuck out is because it was like that one was just written by adults that were like just trying to make the funniest joke. You know, they weren't trying to appeal to kids. They were just trying to make the thing that was funny to them. Reminiscent a little bit of Ren and Stimpy um, to an extent. I did feel like that about Cow and Chicken, especially going back and watching episodes where I was just like, holy shit, like, how did he get it? How did he get that joke in there? Like, that was very adult. Like, the Cow and Chicken episode was like uh, Carpet Munchers, I think it was. It was. I was just like, how the fuck did he get away with that? Yeah, that, that yeah, that, <laughs> you know, I mean, in hindsight, I think that I probably wouldn't do that again, but we were kind of like encouraged to push the envelope, you know, like we're always like, yeah, you know, be irreverent and you know, push it out there. It was like, it was, you know, there was nothing really hidden about that, what it was. And and then later on, somebody complained once it was produced in a broadcast, somebody complained. I think they had one complaint and then they decided not to air it anymore. Of course, you know, I watched that as a kid and like, I had no idea what that was talking about, but. It wasn't supposed to, to be demeaning, but I, yeah. I, 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 in hindsight, I probably wouldn't do that again, but. Let's see. Yeah, you was just making it happen for sure. You know, I did want to ask you a little bit about your time there working on that show. Um, did anything stick out to you as far as like um, working with your contemporaries or any uh, anybody else producing stuff at that time? I said mostly Johnny Bravo and and, and Hindi Show, uh, Dexter. So yeah, I, even though I was rarely in the studio, I was I had a studio in Northern California. I would come down every week, and so I would meet up with these guys, and 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 we did a little bit of crossover. I could Hindi did a board uh, uh, for Cow and Chicken back in the day. I didn't do any work with him, but now over the years, uh, you know, I, I, I do project with Gindy, uh, worked at Sony and, uh, you know, worked on the last Hotel Transylvania with him. Um, and, you know, I still, I, I still know Gindy and see him. And so, yeah, there was, there was a lot of amazing talent going through there, you know, like, and I, I still see Van Partible too. We're all friends. We're all, you know, pretty tight. Um, yeah, so it was it was it was fun, you know. There was like a, young, a lot of young people. I was kind of the oldest guy at the time. Went, went from being the youngest guy at Hanna Barbera to all this new group of people. I was kind of the older guy, uh, you know, with the with the new series. Like they were like ten years younger than me. So it was kind of cool to see young vital guys coming out of Cal Arts, and you know, suddenly they got their own TV series and they were knocking it out of the park. So how does uh you know you work on those obviously, and then um. The opportunity with Sony comes along, I think, with the uh, open season. How did that come to be? Uh, through uh, an agent I had at the time, he, he was able to find the opportunity. They were they were looking for um, a head of story on that uh, this new division at Sony. They never had an animation department feature animation, so they just kind of like formed it. And so I was one of the first people they they interviewed for this position and I, and I got it as the head of story. And I had never been a head of story. I'd never, I'd done 
some feature work, a little, little bit of feature work, but not much, mostly television. And so it was a great opportunity. And I liked working at Sony. I liked the people I was working with. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a very pleasant experience. Was it a little bit more difficult to kind of find your footing on that? Or was it, did you feel like, you know, you'd kind of been set up for it, cutting, cutting your teeth, doing um, cow and chicken and stuff like that? Yeah, I, I did feel set up. Like I was, I felt comfortable. It was an easy transition. You know, and also, I mean, my, my, my background before boards was I was an animator. I animated for 15 years, 2D animator. So drawing was like a joy to me and fun and easy and, and, and just really, really super enjoyable. And when I got into boarding and story, storytelling in that sense, uh, transitioning to the feature, there was real no difference, except you just had a little longer format, a lot longer to, to work on, on, on one particular idea. You know, some people think that TV maybe isn't as glamorous as the, as feature film. I kind of tend to think it's the other way around because I think uh, television is actually funner to work on just personally, just because of the multiple multiple stories you get to work on in uh, in television. Like you know, you you could do like the same amount of work as a feature film, but you've worked on fourteen stories. That's much more fun to me. That's more entertaining to work on to have like multiple ideas as opposed to one idea you know which is fine too i mean it's its own thing don't get me wrong I've, i like feature film and i've been doing it now more than television um i do love hearing about like you know the things that we love becoming the things that we do as like your profession like that is so cool that you get to do that now like that's an amazing opportunity i do love talking um to creators uh, showrunners animators um, is there something, maybe a situation that came up that was difficult that you had to deal with that comes to mind? I imagine that there's, you know, egos you have to work with, um, people coming in trying to change the story in a way that you don't want to. D does anything, does anything like that stick out to you over your time? Yeah, I mean, not everything is, is super smooth and I've lost my job before, like differences of opinions, uh, stylistic, uh, differences. So those are difficult. But uh, but for the most part, it's been like it's been a dream career. It's like uh, it is exactly what I wanted to do as a, as a kid. And it's not lost on me that it's, I'm very fortunate. I, I get to do exactly what I like to do. A lot of the people that I've been able to talk to, um, a lot of them just talked about, you know, a lot of it is just being immersed in it. And then, you know, early on, especially when you're trying to get into the business. And then <laughs> almost everyone has said that they've been in the right place at the right time and took an opportunity. Can you maybe speak to that a little bit? Like what was like your uh, time to shine, like where you had the opportunity? Well, I guess it was, I mean, it's multiple times. Like, you know, the cow and chicken was a big opportunity. Again, I'd been working 15 years as an animator on other people's, you know, work. Uh, I hadn't created my own it really wasn't an opportunity before that either, but it was John's show with Randy Stimpy that opened the door for everybody else. Because of that success, they started thinking, you know, we could we could get creators to drive their own show. So that was the key um, moment for you know in my, my career, having that door already opened up because of what John had done. You know, the in the story of it and the scheme of things, it's so cool to see kind of like everything progress and build on each other, like. It, it just it just makes you feel I'm, I'm sure it just makes you feel extremely like just thankful that things ended up um you know getting into place like that for you like in your career 
can you talk about maybe some things uh, you're working on currently or in the last few years that you've you know been real proud of or um, are excited about? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm actually directing a movie right now out of Montreal. And so all my calls are Zoom calls and the people are spread out. It's a, a feature film starring uh, uh, Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones. He's the main character. And uh, the villain is uh, uh, Rain Wilson from The Office. And Charlie Adler. And Charlie Adler is in it too. It's cool to see that, you know, you kind of get to work with these other people. Um, it's probably one of those things where it's like, you know, starting out, you maybe didn't think you'd get to this position. And that just has to be so, like I said, so fruitful that, you know, you've been able to work on these things and then get to this point where you're working on something of that scale. That has to be a, really awesome. I uh, I have to mention um, my buddy's a huge fan of the Max. Um, is, it, is it correct that you got to work on that a little bit? Is that a can you talk a little bit about that experience? Well, sure. Well, I mean, the, the Max is created by Sam Keith and Sam is my cousin. So we, we grew up together. Uh, he's four years younger than I am. And so while I was drawing, like when I was 12, 13, 14, he was a kid, just a little kid kind of hanging out, but he could draw like nobody else could draw at that age. And so when I started making films, I was like 12, 13, 14, Sam's like 10. He was two. We, we were, you know, we were like in my house all the time. And we I literally grew up like brothers. Um, and later we shared a studio when, when he was doing the max, I was working, we were side by side up in Northern California. Um, and, uh, you know, he started, he was doing comics. That's all he did. That was his thing. And then image comics comes along. He was invited to, to come up with his own idea and he came up with the max and then it became very big. And then MTV said, we want to do a series. And then they did a series. So that, that all happened while we were side by side in the same studio. And so during the max, I think it was max number five, he said, hey, I, I want you to do like a half, half of the, uh, the comic in your style. So that's where that that's where that that how that happened. So Sam and I together wrote this sequence. It was like a dream sequence that he suddenly max suddenly goes into this pencil animator style drawing uh, my style of, of Sam's character. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, that's that was the genesis of that. We also co collaborated on another um, story idea that that was both he, he and I created that appeared in Max number thirty, called Fred Flower and Uncle Italian Moose, about best friends. One's a flower in a pot, and the other's a, a big blue Italian moose. And that's one of my favorite little projects. I'd love one day to see that see the light of day because it, it's I like the dynamic between these two characters. It's super unique and super different. And that was a collaboration between Sam and I. So yeah, it sounds like a uh, you're good. You're good with the odd couple, cow and chicken, and then you know it's kind of like a, a through line for that. And be, and because of you know like uh, we were again sharing the studio, uh, we kind of did cross pollination of ideas. And so while he was in the studio when I did the cow and chicken pilot, so I, I give credit to Sam. Like if you ever see the pilot, Sam's name is on the uh, as, as a, as a co-writer because, you know, the ideas came back and forth. They were really natural. We just talk about stuff and uh, Sam suggested ideas. And the uh, Count Chicken Pilot was nominated for a, an Emmy Award, Primetime Emmy. And so Sam has a Primetime Emmy nomination as a writer on Count Chicken. 
Yeah, I remember reading about that. That was that had to have been like a trip for you. Like what? <laughs> oh yeah, it was. Yeah, again, again, Sam and I grew up together, and we both dreamed of working in our industries. Me as an animator, Sam as a comic artist, and we got to do it. You know, it's like pretty fortunate. And we're, we're well, it wasn't lost on us. Believe me, we're aware of how really fortunate we were. Right on, man. Yeah, for sure. David, I do appreciate your time, man. Um, can you tell people where they can uh, keep up with your projects? This film will come out at some point. It's called Hit Pig, H-I-T-P-I-G, Hit Pig. And, and I'm still, like, I still work on uh, pro projects for Illumination. Been doing that for the last 10 years, actually. Most of the Illumination films uh, I've had a hand in. So, yeah, Illumination. And, and I, yeah, I wish I had some kind of a social media thing. I don't have, like, a web page. I don't have anything like that. As I say, you were kind of a hard guy to get a hold of. I had to do the, uh, the the kind of the last place I end up is the uh, someone's Wikipedia page. I do have to shout out that um, when I was uh, when I looked at that, uh, we had the same birthday, April sixteenth. No way! Awesome, that's awesome. April sixteenth. There, there you go. Yeah, all the best looking people were born April sixteenth. Everybody knows that. There you go. There you go. That's fun. <laughs> well, be sure to keep an eye out for that, man. Uh, for and for your work that you have going on. Um, and again, shout out to Guy Moon for hooking this up. And thanks again for uh, taking the time to chat with me. Okay, Harold. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you guys liked that interview. I've got some really cool people lined up, so be sure to check it out. As always, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast. T U N E S slash T O O N S. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. Peace.